Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi. I'm also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to getting everybody in 2022 to realize their true career potential. Today is an awesome opportunity for two very like-minded coaches to put their heads around the fact that the clients that they're helping, that would be myself and our guests, are not dissimilar Although they may be at different places of their career, maybe at different positions or levels within an organization, but the optics are still the same. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the opportunities to really know the why behind where you're at in your career, especially if you're in the of pivoting in your career. Amy Fouth is the founder and principal coach of One Step Coaching and Consulting, where she is a dynamic certified leadership coach. Amy has experienced working with the leaders of the world today through something called energy leadership coaching. And the bulk of Amy's background and experience is in human resources, talent development, facilitation, change management, team building, and training. Thus, she is the perfect person for me to talk to about these things. She enjoys working with high potential and high achieving women to manage the overwhelm and banish the self-doubt that comes from stepping into their next leadership position. Please welcome Amy to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying the company of another coach today. We often get the feedback on statement. You have other coaches come and talk, specifically ones that share your mindset. I said, well, this is to really do that. We're really trying to shift the mindset in a very changing world professionally. Tell us a little bit about how One Step came to, to be in your life. Yeah, what's well, a, a varied journey for sure. I you know, didn't wake up when I was five and say, I'm going to be a leadership coach when I grow up. Probably nobody does, but I did not have the typical career path right out of high school. I um, went to a university for a semester and realized that it wasn't for me. It was a little bit big and I wasn't focused. We'll leave it at that. And then I moved back home for a little while and I somehow stumbled upon massage therapy, moved about six hours away from my parents. I'm an only child. And I was 19 at the time to go to school for massage therapy. I did that for a while and lived in Colorado, worked at a spa there, loved it. It was one of the best jobs ever because pretty relaxing working in a spa every day. And then I decided I was going to go back to school because I wanted that formal degree. And I went back for human resource management. And it was there that I fell in love with facilitating and teaching and having those development sessions with leaders, with staff, hourly employees, all sorts of different landscapes of employee. And I really enjoyed helping people solve problems, which then led me to coaching and getting my certification in coaching. And that is how it came to be. That's an awesome depiction of somebody who's very much the character we're sketching for our listeners today is that person who is taking a very incongruent pathway of their career, but it leads them to true fulfillment. And this is a conversation we have with our clients back to massage therapy, deciding to go back to school, and then 
at the point you were in, in your HR career, where you said, Hey, I'm going to do coaching two pivot points in your career. How did you come to terms and were there differences between the two? Obviously there had been some time between them, a little bit older, more mature, more experienced, that sort of thing. But how do you go from one to the other? How did that come to pass? (laughs) Very wildly, not on purpose at all. I did massage therapy for about seven years and just kind of got burnt out physically. It can be hard on your body, but I know people that have done it for many more years. And I was young, like you said. So I was like, I don't know how to be a business owner. I, I didn't have those resources. I didn't know that there were people out there that helped you with that stuff. And so then I just started kind of working in different corporate settings, doing some different things. And I, learned about HR and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to help people. That's, you know, how I interpreted, interpreted it at the time, helping people. And one day a long windy path to org dev organizational development, I got back from a team meeting, which was the entire HR department. So all the different channels of HR and sat at my desk. And I realized there was a lot of competition internally in our own team. And it wasn't the healthy kind. It was like, we were all trying to prove our worth to prove why we should be there scrambling for the next project or to show up our, our, our coworkers, because that was the environment we were in. You know, if you didn't talk yourself up and take on more and do more, do more, do more, you weren't going anywhere. So my boss was a certified coach through IPEC as well. He and I had talked about coaching a little bit here and there. And after that meeting, I was sitting there in Cube Village. And I was like, why, why is it no matter where I go, no matter what part of HR I work in, and it, it's not just HR, obviously working from HR with other teams and other leaders, it's all throughout corporate America in that corporate environment. Like this, there has to be a way to make work better, to make it not suck. And it all comes down to people. It is human beings operating companies. And with that comes a lot of stuff. I couldn't agree with you more as you and I have very similar career paths. Both started out very differently. I started out in the field with sales and marketing and then went internal to do leadership assignments in life sciences and became organizational development leader over time through commercial training. You and I both have a training background as well and a coaching background. What I hear you saying is that at a point in your life where you went back to school and wanted to do more... You actually took some of the experience that you had as a massage therapist with wanting to help others. That was just innately part of who you were. Taking it to a different vantage point with HR and then ultimately taking the organizational development experience you had to even a more fine-tuned level as a coach. Is that one-step coaching, how it kind of came to pass is that this is sort of the, the mindset you want to shift in people as you can take seemingly different skill sets and really tap into people's passion? I would say yes. And it's about just taking that first step and taking one step at a time. I know it is not a wildly imaginative company title. In fact, I didn't think long and hard about it, but it totally aligns with what I was trying to do and how overwhelmed people get 
um, making decisions. That's a lot of what I heard, you know, leaders that have, have trouble making decisions and they're so clouded and they have so much information coming in at, at a rapid rate that they just feel completely overwhelmed. And so it, one step coaching is about taking a step back and knowing what you truly want and who you truly are. And then taking one step at a time to get you closer and closer to fulfillment and your passion. One person's opinion, sometimes that's the best thing is to go with your gut. And the way that you just completely talked about the thought process behind the one step, it, it it comes to mind as being one of the more innovative career decisions, let alone names of companies I've heard in a long time. So kudos to you for that. What are you seeing in your clients as far as personnel needs now more than maybe even pre-pandemic times? What's changed in terms of what motivates employees? Oh man, <laughs> oh, that is such a loaded question. Great question. It is hard to know that. I think what employers are struggling with right now is retention. It's always been a buzzword and nice to have. And I think it got taken for granted. And now people know it's an employee market. People know that they can go find something that aligns better to them, whether they're leaving corporate America completely or completely switching industries, kind of like I did in fields, I guess. People are looking to be developed. They want more than just your core values on a wall. They want to know that you are being truly aligned and you're walking the talk. Not only was that the pandemic, it is also a little bit of a generational thing as well. I, you know, I'll say kids, but Adults, young adults that are in their 20s and early 30s, they're so much more put together and sharp than I was at that age. They know they don't have to put up with the crap that their parents did. They have options and it's going to change the way we work, I think. And it's exciting to see. One of the things I want to dig into that you said so eloquently is it's a generational. I'm seeing much of the same where people who are of a certain vantage point in their careers, usually starting out first five to 10 years, they do, in fact, I'll echo what you said, that 2030, they're looking different than I did at 2030. They have their wits about them. They know what they want to do. They know what motivates them and what doesn't quite frankly, seeing the generation behind them now graduating. And I'm starting to see a shift even there where they're not exactly adept at putting their verbal foot forward. Everything is on Snapchat and things like that. Are you seeing a generational gap in just communication? You know, communication is one of those things that I really, really, really focus on hardcore because it is a breakdown it's just different. I get what you're saying with everybody text message. Don't call me, send me a, a snap, send me a DM, all of that. And I think that it will be an issue to know how to communicate verbally and to be able to stand in front of a room and present your idea or create buy-in. I'm almost kind of curious. It makes me think you asking that question is, will we communicate more electronically? Who knows? Feel though that communication is just something that continues to be a breakdown in every generation. And you hear a lot about working with multi-generation employees and, and things like that and how to lead multi-generational teams. Communication is always a hot topic. What do you see as the challenge 
with regard to people staying in careers. It used to be in generations previous to this one, there were lifers. There were people that were 25, 30 years with companies. Seemingly that's gone away. Tell me more about this concept of the people that are promoted versus developed. What does that mindset look like? Leaders aren't born, they're made. And the development process has been a struggle for pretty much <laughs> since the dawn of time of, you know, corporate moving from manufacturing and farming to office. Lots of people that I work with will tell me, I got put into this position and I wanted to be a leader. And then I got there and I have no idea how to lead people. And I don't even know. I'm just so overwhelmed with what to do and, and how, how do I change from being their coworker and friend to now I'm their boss. Usually the people that are in leadership got promoted because they were good at something. Usually it's, they're really accurate. They're timely. It's always something very technical. And so they appear to be this rock star and a superstar. And I'm sure they are. They weren't prepared to go from an individual contributor to now a leader. And that mindset is different where you can come in as an individual contributor and sit at your desk, do your work. Yes, there's responsibilities for a team atmosphere as well, but you can go home at the end of the day. When you become the leader, you now are kind of got a slap in the face because you've got to think strategically. You need to be forecasting you now have to have conversations that are uncomfortable. You might need to make decisions that are hard and uncomfortable that impact people that kind of quote unquote grew up with. So those mindset shifts can be very challenging. And I think if there's not a dedicated, consistent development approach, this, it, to me, it's the reason why we continue to have bad leadership. Um, you know, I'm reading the book Multipliers right now, and it talks about multiply, multiplier leadership and diminishing your leadership. And I can't even tell you how many times I can, I have personal examples of diminisher leadership that I've witnessed and that clients have brought to me. And sometimes it's on accident, but I think the biggest mindset struggle is going from that task oriented to strategic thinking and now being responsible for not only your own results, but your team as well. That's definitely true. I also think that you and I having both come from a training background too, is that when you don't set people up for success, you get what you get. How often do you think that the lack of training is to blame for lack of leadership? Oh, that's a tough question. A lot of leaders will think, okay, oh, just send them to training, just send them to training. And that is the magic wand. So it has to be deliberate training. And I think for the people on the receiving end of that training, they need to know why they're there. Why are you sending me here? I and mean, that comes back to communication, being able to give feedback. So you've got leaders sending leaders to training and the leaders of leaders maybe aren't that great at communication themselves. They're not comfortable. So they don't know what to say. And those behaviors continue to get repeated and taught down the line. I wish I could create a development path for every role in an organization. I really feel like when you know exactly what that person needs and you've got the competencies down, that training is going to have a, a lot more impact. You can't just plop people down in front of a computer to watch a webinar for an hour and expect their behavior to change. That's where coaching comes in as well. What I focus so much on is when a leader comes to me and, and wants coaching and it's really getting down to the behaviors that they feel are 
serving them, or maybe they've been given some feedback that they're not crazy about and they don't know how to process it. And so working through that. Yeah. Leaders giving feedback in and of itself needs to be taught better. Um, There's different ways of giving feedback. And it seems like sometimes it's only the negative gets translated because it's not delivered in the way that it's most motivational or in the way that it's most honest with an outcome that, yeah, this is the situation, but as a leader, I want to coach you and help you get to where you need to get to be successful. I don't want to see you flounder. This isn't your fault, but this blame game kind of comes across with some of the people giving feedback. When it comes down to a conversation between an employee and a leader about promotability, aspirations, long-term career growth and pathing, how much of the input should the individual have? And can you provide an example where you've given some coaching to people to play more of a stand-up role in their own development. Oh yeah. How often when you're working with your coaching clients, do you have people who are taking position a point in their own career and playing a role in their actual development and pathing? And can you share an example where that may be the case? For sure. Um, I think it's very frequent that people don't know how to advocate for themselves and they're not clear on even what they want. There's also this mindset of, well, I checked all the boxes, so now it's time for you to promote me. And that's where, had we had conversations a year ago about those aspirations that you have, we could have built some development. And again, that's that goes back to that task orientation that I was talking about. I checked the boxes, I did everything you said, promote me. I do have a client that I am working with who started out very afraid to ask for anything for herself. Just recently, she finally went and just said, Hey, you know what? I could use this thing and it would really help me do my job a lot better. And she got it approved and came and, you know, came back and told me about it. and, And we did an air high five. I was like, how does that feel to have advocated for what you need? Now, in this case, It was a tool. It was a resource. It wasn't necessarily training, but again, going back to just taking one step. Okay. So you asked for that. You got it without really even having to, you know, state a case or put up a fight. And how does that feel now? What, what else do you need? And I think you asked to how much involvement should the individual have that Mm -hmm. wants to be developed on their career path. And I say it should be 80% them or more. Thank you for giving a percentage to it because I've asked a number of people professionally on the podcast, individuals working at a leadership level, clients, and then some friends and family who work in these roles. And they're unable to pinpoint just how much of it should be. But I will share one correlation with you, which is the people that are floundering in their career or feel as if they are, feel like it should be handed more to them. And those that are doing very well will stand up and say, it's because I stood up for myself. Oh, I I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'll put a little thin on that with, I say 80% because you've also got the leader who thinks, well, I'm going to tell them everything they have to do and give a litany of things, do all these things. And there isn't any input from the actual person. They may not be thinking that is the path that they want. Sometimes as leaders, we have to learn to be quiet, to slow down and to ask more questions where 
then we can actually develop a plan that makes more sense. And when I say 80% of it should be on the employee, I think they definitely need to come to the table with some ideas, with some research, you know, whether it's a conference, a certification, a mentor, things that they're bringing as ideas and showing that they're invested in their own development as well. Yeah, I agree with you. How does a candidate build enough confidence or advocacy for themselves to be able to do that? Very often in careers and leadership, you're not taught the fundamental principles about being a strong leader. Do you think that people have enough wherewithal to really understand how to build a strong career path? No, probably not. You know, I'm, I'm using too much. This is what I do. And this is where I live. And probably same with you. We know what's out there and we've done it. So it's easy for me to say. Mm -hmm. I would say the way that a candidate can build confidence is to first do some self-reflection and maybe spend some time writing things down and what it is they're looking for. Go back then and, and kind of look at that list or what you wrote, the things that are your non-negotiables that are, I 100% need this. And then the, the one thing I do with all of my one-on-one -on -one clients is I do a values assessment pretty much right out of the gate when we start our, our coaching relationship together, because it doesn't, it's not only help you to be more confident, it will help you with decision-making as well in any life decision, not just your career and what you want to do. And knowing your own personal values and using those as a guiding light helps you to really get clear on how you want your life to look and how you want your career to look. How often are you taking that sage advice with your clients and saying, what now is in the example that you just shared with the woman who advocated for herself and got what she was looking for and the resource? How often are you working with, with clients who then say, yeah, Amy, and what I figured out is I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. How often are you hearing that? Yeah, that's pretty frequent. Again, I think it's like you mentioned earlier on lifers. We do this because it's what our family did. So we stay at one job from cradle to grave and we don't hop around. Nope, we can't do that. And so when they really start learning about different options is when they have that big realization, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this. And it is very frequent. And I see it a lot with women. They're looking for more flexibility. They're looking for, you know, not having to burn themselves out to get to a kid's game and meet their deadlines at work. I, that is where I'm seeing the most movement. I think it will continue. I do too. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've lived it myself as well. I do think that the pandemic made it very apparent to people that life is short. Mm -hmm. Your career is 60, 70% of what you do on a day-to-day -day waking hours basis, it should be something that you do with fulfillment. There should be something that you get out of it as much as you give. What do you think the root cause is of this? That's my opinion. I'd love to hear what your opinion is. The root cause of pivoting? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think for sure the pandemic made people reflect on what's important in life. And now with the economy the way it is, they've realized that there are more options. The world really has become everyone's oyster. I can sit here in my home office in Nebraska and I can work for somewhere in New York or London if I, if I want. And so it has 
become even more competitive and um, employers, if they're not willing to change and look at their, their practices, they're going to become irrelevant. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. When you work with the leaders that you work with, who are faced with these vacancies, these people that are leaving to pivot to other careers, or they themselves are pivoting, what types of coaching do you give them to keep their head sort of up? Because as leaders, when somebody leaves, it's hard to not take it personally. As a leader yourself who doesn't feel fulfilled in what you do, that's also deeply, deeply personal. So what types of of coaching techniques do you use to keep their head in the game? Well, I, I, all of my coaching is pretty straightforward. So if there was feedback given, and I'm sharing that with a leader, I like to create a safe space first and just say, we're going to talk about the feedback that's on this exit interview or that, you know, I got your 360 results back. Um, and we're going to talk about it. And I want you to just sit with it for now and make notes while we're going through it together and what pops up for you. And this will be a process. And I really try to remember, you know, it's a, it's a human on the leaders are humans. <laughs> we make mistakes. If you're coming to me for coaching, I assume you want to improve um, because otherwise it's a waste of money and time. And I'm going to hold you accountable to what, to what you want, because that's my job as your coach is to push you to try some things that are out of your comfort zone um, and, and maybe that is listening to feedback that isn't so great and doing it in a way that doesn't have that person shut down, mm-hmm. you know, so if we have to have multiple sessions or if we need to take a break and come back, you know, they need to shut their camera off. If we're on zoom, that's fine, but we're going to, we're going to talk about it because that's the only way to, to learn and grow is to face it and to take it in. What I love about those techniques is twofold. First of all, that you're telling them this isn't, this is a process. This isn't something that's a one and done or something that I expect you're going to take. Well, you may need to digest it a bit. And I love the safe space part of it too, because they think that a lot of people confuse leadership with this ethereal numbness where they can take anything because they're a leader. So they're made of steel and that's not true. It's not true. And they shouldn't have to be a sponge to take on the loss of other people and the responsibility and the guilt and the shame of having high turnover as it's their fault, it could be a bigger situation within an organization. And even they may be one foot out the door, right? And it, it, like you mentioned blame earlier and you can't blame others. And, and sometimes the feedback is directly, you know, they left because of, of this leader. Um, that happens a lot. <laughs> um, you know, everyone says it's the manager, not, 
is the number one reason people leave. Um, but like I said, if you're coming to coaching, then I'm going to do my best to help you through the growing pains and in a way that I, you know, I hope (laughs) I pray that they don't take it personally, that they're taking it as information and processing it. And then through our time together, they can step out with a different mindset through that energy leadership. They know how they're looking at certain situations. They're learning how to choose a different response. Um, Yeah, that's what I, I am hoping that I do. Well, I'm sure you do. I I feel as though there's also that aspect of your sweet spot where you work with high potential, high achieving women. And when I think of women in the workplace, particularly women leaders, we have that sort of mindset of where we almost have to go above and beyond to prove ourselves Mm -hmm. worthy of the position. It's something a little bit even more graduated than just simply imposter syndrome. And in previous episodes, I've talked with many people who specialize in coaching through imposter syndrome. Do you find that's the case with a lot of the high potential, high achieving women you work with in leadership positions? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. I, they feel they have to work and have witnessed where that is still the mindset where women have to prove themselves that much more. They are tested more, you know, they're questioned more. Oh, you have to leave for a kid's thing. Why? Definitely with how much you work, how many hours, all of that. I just feel is scrutinized so much more for women. It was very interesting. My sister and I caught a movie from the 80s. I don't know if you ever had the chance of watching it. Diane Keaton plays this corporate, I think she's in advertising and it's the movie's called Baby Boom. And she inherits this toddler from a distant cousin who's passed and becomes her child ultimately. And she has to make all these decisions and she buys this house in Vermont and ends up quitting her corporate job. I just looked at my sister, who's a fellow coach, and I said, we're still doing this. This is years later, and we're still doing this. We're still making concessions for being moms, for making decisions for the right thing for children that we're raising. This happened during the pandemic, where a number of my clients had to make a conscious decision to leave the workforce, Mm -hmm. to be a one-income family during a pandemic so they could be home when their kids schooled from home. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing as some of the decisions that we're now making better as a result of what we've seen? I don't know if we're totally there yet. I think there's definitely a raised awareness, but I'm not sure that all of that is gone. And, you know, that kind of saddens me, but it it's kind of what I was saying a, a little bit about companies that aren't willing to take a look at how we do work, where we do work, what does work look like now? They'll be left in the dust. It's just not possible anymore to have the same expectations and demands in this world and to be mom stayed home. And that was just it. You know, dad worked in town or they had a farm or whatever. That's more of a luxury now to even live a, you know, a modest, decent life. It's a two income thing. It's a two income job. I think there's still a lot of work to do. I agree with you. And I'm glad that we're doing it. How can people work with you at One Step Coaching and what's your ideal client? 
My ideal client is women, up and coming women that want to be leaders or maybe in a new leadership role. And they're just feeling lost, confused, overwhelmed. They don't know where to begin, but they don't want to talk to their boss. Maybe, you know, their spouse is tired of hearing about it. Their mom doesn't understand, whatever that is. Working with new leaders is just my jam. I love it so much because they're thirsty and hungry to really do it right and do it well right out of the gate. Um, You can find me on Instagram at One Step Coaching and LinkedIn, One Step Coaching and Consulting. My website is onestepcoaching.net. I really do applaud you for what you're doing for people because I agree with you. I think we've got a ways to go. We're here to do these things for people, to help them and see what, if anything, can be done in a short amount of time that has lasting effects. I'd love to ask you, what would be one wish that you had that you could overcome if you had a crystal ball or a magic wand in terms of helping women leaders be more inspired, be more empowered. Hit me with the hard ones at the end. Um, What would I, if I had a crystal ball, what would I wish for women to be more empowered and more inspired? Just to know that they have everything already. It's inside them. And it may be a man's world, but it for sure is changing. And don't give up. You've got it within you. It's there. Once you're clear on what you want, the rest is cake. I love that. That is a great great answer. I want to thank you as a strong female leader of of fighting the good fight. I think it's a battle we've not yet won, as you said, but there's hope. There's definite hope and that things are changing. Mm -hmm. If you are a female leader who feels that you could really benefit from Amy's amazing inspirational coaching, one-step coaching and consulting, please do get in touch with. Thank you, Amy, for joining 52 Weeks of Empowerment today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to all of you for tuning in week after week. We know that you each have a story to tell and you each have a career to enjoy. And we want to help week after week you be able to do that and enjoy career fulfillment in today's changing environment. So thank you for sticking with us. We will be here next week. Same time, same place, more power. 